See, now you're getting it, Wade. We need the Wade. ratings. Yeah. Oh, whoa! I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Yeah. But we're just talking about give the headphones to the baby. Give the headphones to the baby. She needs to. He or she needs to hear this. He he is here. Like I'll make this. If I only have Rob writing with one hand right now, all right. It's a lot harder than you'd think, but we'll see. I'll last like five minutes, and then he'll freak out, and I won't be able to do anything. So. That's why I said give the headphones to him and he'll hear the soothing sounds of us raging about cybersecurity. All right. Indeed. <laughs> well, somebody's got to make silly faces for the baby. Will, can you do it? Silly face. I mean, isn't my face just silly as is? Like, no, no, no. Not with the beard. Like You're very serious. <laughs> <laughs> I recommend everyone bring a chew toy to this uh, show. <laughs> <laughs> I know I always have mine. I know I, I was thinking a uh, kind of question for the group. Is there any finer drinkware than the 1995 Batman Forever McDonald's classes? <laughs> How was... do you still have that? How is that still alive? Oh, I, I, it, this, oh those are awesome. I, these things are fantastic. Like, it's got, like, the, the coins. Yeah, yeah I remember it. That, Dude, I really like, I say... for it. That looks like an what old are you McDonald's drinking? holiday. Is that, just, is that like grape juice? What is happening? Oh, no, I just got like, you know, Coke in there, but it's like, oh, no. Coke, it's okay. like that's that's some of that purple drink. It that's looks really flat drink, for yeah. Coke. <laughs> <laughs> it probably is. I think I just found it on my desk and it's like, oh, it's still, still drinkable. <laughs> it's a couple days old. It's fine. <laughs> okay, sugars, Alex, it? I see drink. your mug and I'll raise you one. What do you got for your drinkware? What does that say? The camera like doesn't want us to see. Yeah, yeah. It keeps, keeps moving. I do your uh, you're mirrored. stress. You're mirrored. Hold yeah, on. You I'll go get, let mirrored. me go get a mug. I'll be right back. <laughs> oh boy. Corey <laughs> feels left out. No. Kelly, go uh, into this in the, the gear settings and turn off your video mirroring. In the gear settings in the yes. restream? Correct. Oh, are we on oh somehow we're stuck on 720. Oh, okay. Here, I, th I think I fixed it. Now. Yeah, you fixed it. Better? There you go. Oh, oh, yeah. Yep. There we go. Now we can read it. There we go. Yes. <laughs> I drink wine and yoga pants. <laughs> <laughs> so like I was saying before, appropriate um, uniform for this um, this show. Um, it's not just, you know, you, you got to wear the, the full the, the full outfit, the yoga pants, shorts, pants, that sort of thing. Corey doesn't even wear pants in for these. <laughs> what does Corey say? Nathan. Oh, God. <laughs> He's got one of the special editions. The special edition that. Oh. What year you have is to it, collect a lot of cult points to redeem that one from Ian. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to have to reach out to him and have a talk. Oh. <laughs> if you're on the podcast, you should have enough points to redeem. BHIS points. I redeemed I all mine for baby mug. swag. That's fair. Ooh. That's a good choice. Although now, now Kelly brought up, like, we need, like, under... Yeah, try and dance around that one, Alex. Yeah. <laughs> under and <laughs> then complete. He has, a, he has a sensor. Breaking it's actually news. a feature. He, like, basically, oh. if he starts to talk about anything, he's able to be censored. Like, someone could just has a beep button. <laughs> oh, I, yeah. No, I... My... Uh, my uh, automation was starting to try to talk to me, and I'm like, Shut up. <laughs> Alexa, <laughs> send an alarm like, for 3 a.m. Yeah. <laughs> no, but now we need to like we we need the uh, whoops we need the things from like the waist down for BHIS. Sorry, like if that's going to be the uniform, like get some a nice pants skirt going for or you. Something. 
are, oh, are yeah. you a long a long skirt a or kilt. a mini skirt? It's called a kilt. kilt. It's a yeah, kilt. kilt would be, oh, like, would be yes. awesome. <laughs> Roll the finger. All right. Ready? <laughs> Whoa, did anyone read the news? Like, I, apparently. I don't even no, know what none what, what of us read it. Don't worry. Like It'll be fine. Or so, no one ever reads it. Yeah. Whoa, hi, Derek. Derek, say something so we know we can hear you. Something. Oh, that's good. All right, let's roll mm. a figure. <laughs> I didn't read. Was there? Uh, I never read the article. You didn't do your but... homework, Derek? All right. No. One demerit for you. That's actually one BHS point off your record. Mm-hmm. Hi, and welcome to VHS no, no, talking Ryan, about Ryan, the news. Over, no, Ryan, you. Ryan, no, it's no, cool. You, it's fine. I'm already you here. You can't hit him. My with name that. is Wade Wells. I'm actually giving a talk Wednesday if you want to sign up self promotion right off the bat. Who cares about the news? There's a baby here. <laughs> Indeed. Very good. Very good. Ryan is savage. I, oh my goodness. <laughs> welcome to Black Hills Information Security talking about news. Today we got Black Cat, we got Fancy Bear, all kinds of animals and their associated adjectives. So. Here's our cast of characters. We've got Fat Man Will using no green screen, even though he has a green screen. I don't know what happened to it. It disappeared. We oh, have no. Alex, who painted a green screen and then put a creepy mannequin in front of it. <laughs> it's not creepy. You're going to hurt his feelings. He even, doesn't like, have... even is... raised his hand to wave to you today. Like, that's just... Okay. All right. He He's looking at me with one eyebrow up, so I just assumed he was judging. Oh, the eyebrows on that are weird. You can, you can rip into those. That's fine. Just the eyebrows, though. Everything yeah, else yeah. completely normal. Yeah. We've got Kelly with like a thousand <laughs> books or possibly board games. I don't have, I can't tell, but I'm assuming it's a mixture of both. Books, 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 books. And an octopus. And then we've got Wade with a baby. You already saw him. Feet. Yep. Is the youngest I... so far guest on the news that I know of. Oh, wow. Yeah, you're totally right. Ooh, breaking records. Okay. Breaking records at four months. If I disappear, Although... uh, something happened and... I had to change a diaper, so it most likely will happen. It's about that. Gotcha. You're not that old, Wade. I'm old. You're... I'm pretty old. No, no, you're too. You're too young for depends. <laughs> and then we've got Derek sitting in a dark room, just hiding from the world. He's afraid that all of his angry customers are going to find him. Possibly. <laughs> I don't have any angry customers so far this week. <laughs> so far, this week. This week. <laughs> so far, it's, it's still Monday. early. Uh, so check in. Check you in have Thursday. Time. You have time. <laughs> Yeah, John apparently won't be making it. He said he injured himself in a drill accident. He seems fine, though, so don't worry about it. I told him to just tell everyone that he got into a fight with a vendor after the snake oil conference, but that he didn't think that was a good idea. <laughs> All right, let's well, get we'll into it. it. Anyway. Let's talk about, okay, so do you want to go the route of follow-up, or do you want to go the route of new bad things? Kelly, Kelly is ready for some follow-up, I believe. Yeah, okay. uh, yeah thanks, there was Ryan. some good, good stuff in there. So we were talking a lot last week about water utilities, and I just wanted to follow up on a couple things that came up last week. Um, so we had John with us last week, and he asked me um, a question that I didn't have the answer to, but I do today. And that question was, are there any water regulations or are water utilities regulated in any way? There's actually a couple different regulations. 
And I wanted to share those with you. The first one is there's the American Water Infrastructure Act of 2018. It does require water systems serving over 3,300 people to assess the risk of their computer systems. So there is actually something on the books. And also the EPA released a memo in March of 2023 asking to ramp up cyber regulations. So what does that all so mean? So wait, when you say when you say assess the risk, can I just write a piece of paper that says we assess the risk and everything's fine? Or like, um, is, is there any like, does it have any de definitions of like a pen test or, uh, you know, on paper? Because I know with like NERCSIP, there's some stuff that's like on paper assessments are OK. And there's some stuff that's actually requires, you know, out third party testing or if I uh, if I put it on a poem until 2030, does that work? <laughs> Derek, what's a poem again? Milestone. Well, Corey, that's a great question. It 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 looks to be more of a paper exercise. Uh, they water utilities have to do a survey and on the survey, they just have to note that they've assessed their their systems for cybersecurity. But don't panic. There is an option. And that was the other thing I wanted to bring up on the news today. For those of you who aren't familiar with our friends over at Dragos, they are amazing ICS people. And they actually have a program, a community support program for water utilities, utility companies that don't necessarily have the resources to assess and secure their systems. So if you are working for a utility company, a small one, a small municipality, go over to Dragos. They are great resources over on their website so okay they definitely listen to the podcast right that's I was why about they to did say, did this. we get sponsored did we get that's sponsored? what happened that's what happened we they listen to the podcast they're like okay we're gonna spend a hundred million dollars oh wait no that that number is not related to how much they're spending darn <laughs> so yeah the the apparently the bar the bar is you have to make less than a hundred million dollars in revenue is that a high bar that seems like a ridiculously low bar how many water districts ah. are making more than a hundred million dollars? Probably like just all the large cities, right? Are only making that much. I would think like how much most is uh, yeah? I guess doing like. the math, like it is revenue. So okay, so I mean, what is the average water bill? Is what like two hundred bucks a month times? Dude, I, just, I guess I could. I just paid my water bill today. It was sixty dollars. No, forty-eight dollars today for one time. My parents, their water bill gets paid once every six months. And, uh, I was, when I was 21, my dad asked me to pay it just for fun. And I was like, oh yeah, no problem. I'll get it. Cause I had to stay with them for a little bit. And I, not knowing that, uh, that it was once every six months, the water bill is $500. <laughs> that's pretty cheap, but that's this really was, cheap. That's cheap. But this was also like 20, 2008. And, uh, I was, I was that like took my whole paycheck. And you lost a lot it. on the, uh, you yeah. know, stock market and uh, back then, man, you don't even want to know. <laughs> So I didn't yeah, invest I mean, in I, Bitcoin, sadly. Either way, I'm assuming this would cover most water districts, and they're probably doing it because they don't want some massively huge water district to just take advantage of the program. But um, they don't seem to give any like numbers on how many water districts would or wouldn't be covered by this. I'm guessing it's most of them. $100 million is a lot of money. Uh, so... Um, yeah, that's awesome. Good job. We we also have our cybersecurity uh, card game, Backdoors and Breaches, where we have a deck specifically for OT and ICS that we did with Dragos. So they're kind of friends and community members. And they definitely listen like to the it. podcast. I'm going to tell myself that they do. And that's where they got this idea. And they somehow just spun it up in like six days. Definitely. I, believe it. I definitely it's believe possible. it. 
So now that we've talked about something good, let's talk about lots of terrible things. Like, I mean, Black Cat, I feel like Black Cat is just destroying everyone right now. Is it just me? I'd agree with that. <laughs> so basically, like they're staking claim to everything. Yeah. So th this article is titled Black Cat Ransomware Crims, which I guess that's short for criminals. You just can't type those extra words. Uh, threatened to directly extort victims' customers. <laughs> so essentially, this centers from an accounting firm, Tip Alti, uh, who is essentially, I read it as ransomware going to ransomware. They're trying to find new ways to extort uh, their their victims. So basically going direct would be in the example of like a breach. You go after like this is an accounting firm or an accounting software firm, right? So they probably have customers in the, you know, all over the world, all over different spaces. Instead of making Tipalti or Tipalti or however you say it, disclose the breach themselves they would just go after each customer and say if you don't want us to disclose that your data from tipalti then uh you have to pay us as well how would you feel if you got well, an email that was like quicken loans is being ransomed you have to pay us to not have your data or you know whatever i don't know some to pick a company i don't particularly but, know tipalti but Corey, that's a big deal. Think about your your accountant. They've got your bank accounts. They've got your. Um, they'll submit your IRS forms for you. They may have um, access to your. Um, actually, log into your bank accounts. So that would actually frighten me quite a bit. Yeah, I mean, it's crazy. I honestly wonder, like, how this would be covered by cyber insurance as well. Like, if you go to claim your cyber insurance for, like, we weren't breached, but one of our vendors was breached, can we still cash in? I feel like probably most providers would say no, but I, maybe that's not true. I'm not a cyber insurance expert, but just something to think about. I feel like this is a logical next step, right? It's like they are trying to do everything they can to get paid. They expand from one company that was breached to that might or might not pay to potentially thousands or hundreds of companies, some of which are probably going to say our data in this product is sensitive enough that we will consider paying or that we will pay. So I guess we'll see if it works. Um, hopefully it doesn't. But I just feel like Black Cat is really taking over the world right now. Um, going after SEC filings, going after like they're really just pushing on all boundaries and just being really, really aggressive. So, yeah, I, um, I saw something like pop out at me in like that that third paragraph as just a you know tactic is that it says you know though their chances are slim based on and then you skip to the end like an evaluation of its internal discussions so again a reminder that it's like black cat is beating up everybody and they're sitting there on your team's calls in your email so they're reading the internal discussions that they're having in response yeah, I the just, first thing they're going to do is control F cyber insurance policy limits. And then whatever the limit is, that's going to be how much they demand. <laughs> so yeah, I've actually been telling I've been telling customers, go make a document in your SharePoint that says cyber insurance limits, make it visible to anyone and make anyone that views it now an insider threat and have an alert. Like that is a great opportunity for a honey doc. Like, yeah, honey policies. Yeah, that sounds yeah. that sounds fantastic. Do it. <laughs> Do we have yeah, to sign off that we actually read that policy? Uh, <laughs> if if you want your account to be disabled, yes. No, you you just need to sign off with the uh, with the Honey HR or the Honey Legal. Like you just, you just you just start building, you just make it fake from like you know top down. 
It, nice. It, you, yeah. Then the ransom demands go to the honey account and then the ransom demands yeah. account gets blocked and then you can't see the ransom demands and then you can't get ransomware. It's like you can't. It's like the here, you know, speak no evil, see no evil uh, security strategy. I don't know if that's going to work. Just put your head in the sand and we didn't get hacked. We didn't get any emails. I, I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, but it's like in, internal comms being watched by the threat actors. There's likely to be some solution to that. So if, if one of those uh, genius companies are listening to our podcast and want to drop something over the next week saying, hey, here's some uh, good solutions for internal comms. Love to hear it. So someone asked, uh, Brian did, he asked, is Black Cat attacking LV? My understanding is, and as someone that has more CTI knowledge could definitely expand on this, but my understanding is that LV is sort of the parent organization and it has products like ransomware as a service available. Think of it like LV uh, is the main provider, like the Cisco. And then Black Cat is like a provider, like one of their main trusted partners, like a, a VAR for Cisco, I guess, to use like security... <laughs> To use like security analogies, basically Black Cat utilizes the Alfie ransomware. Is that correct or do I have it backwards? I think that's right. Everything I'm reading is to me says they're either working together or they are the same company with two different names or right. same group with two different names. Gotcha. It's yeah, one of those two scenarios going on there. Yeah, I think they're basically the same. I think Alfie is sort of the parent organization. Like right. they have, and there's also Scattered Spider and Octo Tempest, and they're all the same. Like they use the same ransomware programs and all that stuff. Um, to sort of wrap up this article, though, if anyone's not terrified of this, Capalti's uh, clients include Roblox, Twitch, Discord. Hey, Discord, what's up? Canva, GoDaddy, and Twitter or X. So. There's um, a lot of big names hit by that. Yeah, it's oh, like yeah. we might not have heard of it, but it's, you know, they've got it's accounting software, right? So as Kelly said, there's all kinds of sensitive, potentially sensitive data, right? Um, I will say that most businesses do pretty tightly control their financial data. So it's possible that that the, the attackers say they've exfiltrated 265 gigabytes of data, which could be a ton, could be nothing. As someone who's looked through a lot of ransomware data sets, it can be total garbage or it can be gold. There's really no way to predict. Sometimes they just found some random database of like a CRM type of thing or some loyalty database that isn't really that valuable. Other times they found, you know, the crown jewels. It kind of just depends on where they got into the network, what they could see from there and what the policies were. And also, since it's a third-party software, how much data is actually logged back to Tapalti? It might be mostly on-prem for some customers or all cloud. Who knows? We got some things in chat. Uh, somebody said Wikipedia, you know, greatest source out there. Uh, <laughs> Black I looked Cat it up on Wikipedia. Also yeah. known as Alpha V and Novorus. So yeah, they're, they're like I don't know how, the same, how much but, that in that one. Yeah. I mean, it's also tough because I'm sure as Derek knows, when these threat actors are being tracked, they just spin up a new identifier for a threat actor and then later they'll tie it into like a known previous one, right? Like it's not like they're going to, the first step of IR isn't, okay, figure out who hacked us. <laughs> so yeah, it might take time for, in fact, that I, I don't know that falls in uh, way after lessons learned, right? Like I, I, as an incident responder, I don't know that I really care so much other than to know, like maybe, you know, what else might have been done in the environment, but. Or if normally, there's like a decryptor, like if you got hit by an older crypto uh, ransomware, maybe yeah. there is like a decryptor for it or something, but um yeah, these these groups, I, w I would call them like 
pseudo pen testing type groups like they, they seem to have similar tradecraft and knowledge of like a modern pen testing firm which makes them much scarier um we saw the same thing with scattered spider and so yeah it's like they really do like you know get into teams chats get into emails and just kind of get situational awareness and all that stuff so yeah really scary but we'll people, see how that pans out a lot of people saying there's whispers they might be shut down though a couple days ago well uh, yeah, or, or so website. I did see that. I think we talked about some raids or things that happened, but yeah, I mean, as far as we know, they're still active. I mean, I right. An organization like that, too, you're never going to catch everybody in it. Yeah, for sure. So I, I guess, you know, we can talk. We can just keep going down the bad route. Um, <laughs> apparently, Fancy Bear is back or is still here, um, which you know, Fancy Bear, correct me if I'm wrong, anyone that knows, is like a Russian, you know, basically attributed to be the main, like, Russian uh, threat actor of, like, the government-backed hackers. They're going after, basically, uh, U.S. and European-based organizations. Um, they're trying to exploit, basically, two main flaws, the X, uh, Microsoft Outlook, privilege elevation, and WinRare remote code execution, I think we talked about the WinRare run, WinRare one on the show. I don't know if we talked about the Outlook one. Does anyone know the Outlook one off the top of their head? CVE 2023-23397. This is Outlook? That's That number sounds familiar. Uh, yeah, that's the Outlook elevation privilege. Yeah. So I guess, you know, if you're being fished, definitely patch your uh, patch your WinRare, patch your Outlook. As if you don't, weren't already doing that. Is there, there's a, the Outlook bug. I oh. mean, this is, it's great because this is, this is how we, you know, it. This is how we drive impact down to our customers by saying, "Hey, you, you need to fix this." These bugs were patched in March, <laughs> so like, if you've been updating your Windows or rebooting your Windows since March, you probably are fine. Yeah, um, a WinRAR vulnerability. I think WinRAR is something I would not allow to run in my enterprise environment. There's probably no good reason for. No, we paid for the for license. <laughs> <laughs> We paid for the license. We we're the first people ever to pay for it. Mm. Yes. So I'm actually, the reason the number sounded familiar to me, by the way, and I see people in chat talking about it, was because that 23397 was one thing that we had tried hitting all of our customers with, and it didn't work anywhere because by the time we got around to it, it was blocked everywhere. So, <laughs> like, I don't know how they're possibly, I, I don't know if this is just a news article based on, hey, we saw indicators or whether this is working. Like, it is totally possible that Russia has no clue what they're doing and just haven't been able to access the internet since March. So they're like, <laughs> this is the latest Microsoft flaw. And it's like from March, and it's already patched. I was never able to successfully exploit that two through three, nine, seven. Like I, I tried by the time I even got to it, which is like three days after the disclosure, they were blocking it outbound on tenants. So if you're, if you register an office 365 tenant and send it, it doesn't work. They're blocking it inbound on tenants. So even if it came from another source, it would still be blocked. And then also the bug was fixed on outlook and like, they like, I don't know what to call it, but I'd call it like ninja patched, kind of like how Chrome patches where like if you rebooted your computer since March, Outlook patched itself. So I really don't. I think Russia might just be out of touch with this one. The WinRare one, that one, I think stuck around a little longer. I don't know how that's been addressed or fixed. But yeah, like Derek said, maybe just don't allow that on your network. I don't know. 
Yeah, well, just RAR in general. I mean, there's generally not a good reason. I mean, why do you need RAR? Uh, usually threat actors use RAR, at least historically in the past, because when you encrypted a RAR archive, you wouldn't be able to tell what was in it. You wouldn't be able to get a file listing, which isn't true for, for zip, right? If you encrypt a zip file, you can still get a listing of the files that are in there. So I would use RAR as an indication of something bad happening in my environment, but that's just me. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, clearly they think it's it's working, but again, this is Russia, so their tactics might be out of date. I mean, yeah, have that, they been guess, able to Google? Yeah, no. it depends on who you're attacking too, right? I mean, if you know they use it, then, well, that's different. Yeah, yeah they it looks like, it's right. <laughs> it looks like they're going after Polish Cyber Command. Mm. Which has Classic. a paid for license of WinRAR, probably. They're, yeah, well, they're one of three organizations <laughs> that... They were yeah. the other ones. So yeah, let's 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 roll. Let's keep going. Let's keep talking about bad things, and then we'll maybe hopefully wrap up with some more happy things. So there's a new threat actor targeting the aerospace sector, and they call themselves Aeroblade. Is this like an anime thing that I don't know? Or <laughs> yeah, I was thinking that and Beyblade. Yeah. Oh yeah, that's that must be what it's based on, Beyblade. So um, essentially, this is a campaign which was publicly disclosed by BlackBerry. Um, the first wave was in September 2022, and then the second wave was in July 2023. Um, they're spear phishing with weaponized documents, initial access, reverse shell. You've seen it all before. Honestly, I'm also just surprised. BlackBerry security team, I mean, they exist. I didn't know that. Didn't they buy silence? Like, I don't know. BlackBerry bought silence. Oh, maybe. Yeah, it could be. Yeah, it could be. Um, so, yeah, they have some documents. Uh, Obviously, these are docx attachment deploys remote template injection to download the second stage, which is a .m uh, malicious macros, create a reverse shell. There's a little diagram. I don't know why the file names are blocked out with giant blue boxes. We'll just assume it's totally legit .docx. <laughs> and then, yeah, it's a DLL. So, I mean, these are, I would say, pretty standard tactics. And I guess they also didn't disclose the uh, targets. Did they? Yeah, they, so, that, that stuck out to me is that they don't disclose their targets. They're like, oh, it's, you know, targeting uh, organizations in the United States aerospace sector. It's like, well, there's only so many. And, you know, Boeing just, you know, Boeing just recently got hit. So it's probably one of those things to where it just, as we see often, it's open season on a target when yeah. uh, somebody gets, you know, good, good hit on a target. They, uh, you know, it's open season and people come out of the woodwork to go after them. The attacker has been quoted as saying, let it rip. It's a Beyblade reference, I think. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> I think it is, yeah. <laughs> rip it like a Beyblade, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> All right, <laughs> let's talk about uh, a takedown. So apparently, and I, I'm just going to read this title because I don't really understand what is happening. <laughs> Reuters takes down blockbuster hacker for hire investigation after Indian court order. I'm sorry. What, what year is it? Title. What? 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 <laughs> Let's just. Okay. So I'm assuming as we that like reading the first part of the title, they've had Blockbuster. I don't think is the name brand in this case. I, I don't think say. Blockbuster. <laughs> I don't, I I don't think Blockbuster they're was. renting. I don't think they're renting a copy of Uncle Buck from 1996 or whatever. Um, but. Uh, basically this is an investigation into an Indian hacker for hire operation, which Reuters disclosed and, uh, they had to take it down. So, um, 
I guess this would kind of suck to be an investigative journalist and put all this work into investigating um, hacker for hire ring and then have it be taken down um, or have it be asked to be taken down. So, um, yeah, I mean, an Indian court is order why. is blocking it right I now. Think. Yeah. So according to Reuters, they basically said, like, there's no indication so, that you know, the I article saw that had... same article. I want to take it down. There's Yeah, that's very suspicious that if there's no errors, there's no known false reporting in it. Why is it being forced to take down? So, and also, fun fact, of course, because it's the internet, it said here, <laughs> it's on the Wayback Machine. And of course, it's on the Wayback Machine, and I'll link it in Discord. There it is. It's taken down. You can't, you can totally delete something from the internet. Don't worry about it. I mean, I guess I would say, like, my, like, total no information to back this up. But I'm curious, like, do you think maybe this is scooping the court system and would get the hackers like would give them sort of an early warning to like shut down maybe it's like an active surveillance thing or like they're in their networks or they're in their like environments like watching and then this would like disclose that they were sort of being monitored or being tracked i don't know or an attorney has stepped forward and said there's data that is proprietary and confidential and perhaps they feel they need to protect the organization that was hacked I'm also just, my mind is like kind of blown that a news organization can be ordered to take something down. Like, where is Reuters based? Aren't they? Like, is it, I want to say it's- I think they're German, aren't they? I was going to say, why is a company in Germany responding to a court order in India? I don't get it. Maybe it's only down in India. I mean, obviously I- It, it is I, the I Indian just, court. Right. I'm just surprised that like a German company is responding to an Indian court order. Like I'm pretty sure if the Wall Street Journal wrote an article that says like Saudi Arabia is bad and then Saudi Arabia was like, hey, you got to take that down. We'd just be like, no, like I, I don't uh, whatever. But um, I mean, maybe they do business. They have a business interest. And so they would be compelled yeah. to act because um, of that. Brian just pointed out that the article said routers identified a nation state crew. Maybe the crew the article mm. was about was the part of the government yeah maybe it was the uh, nation state of india yeah <laughs> <laughs> um they could have reported against their own government here and didn't know yeah, <laughs> yeah i don't know it's it's i guess it, this is one like we don't have a lot of solid information right now but this is one we'll keep an eye on and update people as it as it transpires because it seems a lot of things are very confusing why would reuters take it down why would indian courts ask for it to be taken down and, you know, why is it still obviously just for free on Wayback Machine? Because you can't just take something down like that. So, um, yeah, I was reading through the article, seeing if there is anything, you know, critical of, you know, government entities or, you know, like was said, that it's, you know, some sort of, um, you know, states, nation state crew. Because I, I'm just looking at the end of the article where, you know, BBC did a documentary critical of the country's prime minister and then the authorities raided the broadcaster's office. Like, I'll read through like the Amnesty International why they were forced to shut down, but it could be that you know you're just uh, touching something too hot with the uh, you know cr criticizing government that it's kind of a uh, above the pay grade for temp for the time being, which is why it would like yeah. to be temporarily taken down. And the you know look, you're 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 causing a kerfuffle with people at a uh, at a high tier. Yeah, Shadow Ninja eighty five in the chat says might lose their Indian visa for their reporters. Like, I, I also it could be like a business interest thing, you know. Like, 
it's just interesting. Um, obviously, these news organizations have a tough line to walk between doing investigative reporting that's obviously going to make some people angry and also having access to the sources they need to be able to write journalistic articles, right? So it's kind of a tough spot to be in. Um, but yeah, I'm sure the you know reporter is well aware that it's the internet. You can't take something down and it's more of a gesture than it is you know, real. So I was today years old when I realized that India is the largest democracy in the world right now. By population. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I didn't know that. India. Yeah. India is uh, definitely, I mean, they've taught me a lot about cybersecurity. That's for sure. Um, like, I mean, Indian YouTubers are basically the lifeblood of like any college student. Like that's how you learn calculus. <laughs> that's how you learn. Uh, like that's <laughs> how I learned calculus. I mean, oh, they're man. legends. It's and a and lot not of just knowledge. For the, not just for the teaching, but you also have like those little like niche issues to where you're like, is there anybody out there that has, you know, integrated these two random things together? And it's like, oh, look, there's it, there's an Indian YouTuber that did exactly the thing that I was yes. <laughs> thinking of. And they have some excellent instructions for it. So, it is yeah, amazing. Yeah, it seriously is amazing. So. So I, I guess, does anyone have any other? Oh, we should talk about the uh, logo fail attack. So I guess the question is, have you ever wished that you could have your logo in your motherboard or your like firmware of your BIOS? Because if you have, then you might be one of the researchers who discovered essentially an attack in the ability to inject a malicious file into uh, firmware on Linux and Windows devices. This is like a boot sequence thing. Um, you know, logo fail is a pretty good name, but basically... It's a mass disclosure that three scary words, right? Coordinated mass disclosure. Basically, all <laughs> participating companies comprise nearly the entirety of the x64 and ARM CPU ecosystem, starting with UEFI suppliers, AMI, Inside, and Phoenix, um, device manufacturers such as HP, Lenovo, Dell, and then CPU makers, Intel, and AMD. So that sounds like all the computers. It sounds yeah. like all the computers. So basically, the hardware sellers have the ability to configure a logo on the device like boot process, right? Like my personal gaming computer, when I boot it, it doesn't say Microsoft or Windows. It says ASRock or whatever, which is the manufacturer of the motherboard. So that apparently feature is vulnerable. Uh, the image parsers in these UFIs from all of them are riddled with vulnerabilities that no one's ever noticed. Basically, all you have to do is replace the legitimate looking logo or the legitimate logo with a crafted exploit. So I guess it's tricky. I'm also terrified because if you've ever gone to like a firmware update website, they never look very reputable. Oh, wait, <laughs> like, no. They're always no. just like a mirror. And it, there's like one button that says click here if you're in China and you don't click that, you click the other one. And then it says download firmware. And then you download just like a sketchy zip file. And it definitely has like one of those like installer wizard things. It's never good. Yeah, you, you Google so I guess the like, hash, you don't get a hit, and you're like, oh crap, right? I don't know, man. Yolo, right? I need this motherboard to work. Yeah, yeah. I mean, but how many people are like applying firmware updates to their motherboard? I, I'm sitting here going like, ah. Uh, <laughs> the last time I even like thought folks. about doing that, like applying a firmware update to my motherboard, I'm like, if there's ain't nothing wrong, like I'm I'm not. That's some executive that. thinking. Don't update it and you can't be vulnerable. I like it. Well, that's, that's, <laughs> that's why things don't get updated. It's working, right? Yeah. Well, and, and yeah. a lot of organizations, that's where it will be for like up, doing something like upgrading the firmware. Like unless you're getting like mass blue screens that are fixed by a firmware update, they're not going to go there. 
likely not going to sign off on the well. What no, because I can get five more wrong, frames like, per second. I can get yeah. five more frames per second in Roblox, and that's worth it. Oh yeah, for gamers, absolutely. And yeah, I mean, it, yeah, it, for gamers, this I think. I mean, yeah, the the only people who would really be updating their UEFI BIOS as like a normal workflow would be like the gaming community or like power user, whatever you want to call them. People that are interested in overclocking, maximizing performance, and yeah, crypto miners, other you know power users. So. I yeah, guess, like for enterprise, though, I mean, is that does anyone have an enterprise example of like BIOS updates? Like, is that even a thing, or do we? Just, it seems like bad not to update it, but you're right. I don't think many companies are doing that. I I've only seen it when there were just some you know widespread you know blue screens and they, right. you know work with the vendor and they say, hey, it's because of like this you know this problem on like the the driver or power you know something with power and drivers and it just didn't load yeah. right and then when the av was trying to hook in it caused problems so they're like hey do this firmware update and again yeah that was a lot of the risk appetite for an organization going okay are we doing firmware updates for a whole slew of laptops and hey what happens if we update you know one of these executive laptops that's getting these blue screens and we brick that laptop like what do we do then um so yeah it absolutely yeah. rarity and um, this also reminds me, like, I, I don't know where the, the tweet is that I found recently, but they were talking about how a majority of vulnerabilities these days are there in like the category of your computer's online, somebody sends you a specially crafted message and now they have power of attorney, or it's one of these vulnerabilities to where it's like, if they get physical access to it and they do like a clone copy of your SSD and then, a, you know, freeze it the certain way and run these certain things, they can make it so that your password is 12 bits closer to being cracked and you know yeah to, i got this, you this if you have physical like, access yeah if, if you're already at the access to where it's like you can update the boot logo on a piece of firmware i'm like there are a lot of other things you're gonna be i mean doing you're not bad. wrong but the crazy the supply chain angle is significant oh, yeah. here right like these bios websites like i personally like don't have any idea how i would confirm whether a malicious bio up bios update or uefi firmware update was like malicious or not like i guess run it through virus total or something but like the the people 90 percent of the people it's going to be like hey i was playing roblox my computer blue screened i googled my manufacturer and bios update and i clicked on the first link and i downloaded the file and i ran it yeah. to be fair you could just get traditional malware that way too <laughs> but like the concept of like boot uh what are they called boot kits or something um you know then you like there's a whole supply chain thing there of like, now this is there. You can't fix it with re-imaging. It's probably not in standard uh, IR practices to like re-image the motherboard or, you know, check the UEFI firmware. It's not I, probably within like the scope of what most people, I think it's just going to lead to like large gaming botnets are going to arise from this potentially. Possibly, you know, or, you know, way to, you know, target developers, et cetera, to where, you know, hey, if you have a, you know, LastPass developer that's running everything off of a Plex server, target them with an email that says, hey, your Plex server will run like 20% better if you apply this particular firmware update. Sure. Um, and then, and yeah, you know, I mean, and people then they are get compromised and yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, people are commenting like, you know, oh, you can check, uh, you know, whether it came from the manufacturer. Probably most of the people doing this, like even me personally, some of the BIOS update sites I've seen don't at all look affiliated with the manufacturer. At least they're not very modern or secure looking. It's like last updated 2010 kind of vibe. Um, so it can be tricky to verify whether the site, 
I mean, obviously go to the manufacturer's main website, look up your hardware number or serial or whatever. But yeah, I mean, basically just verify it, you know, before applying updates if you're um, worried about this. So only apply something that you know is good. What's next? One of my personal fears was like kind of validated. 23andMe breach. Did anyone see this? Oh, yeah. yeah. I, I saw that one. And I, I think that was on our docket for uh, for last week. Yeah. Like, so I've always I've always been curious, like, what kind of extremely pale person am I? But honestly, I am always been too terrified <laughs> because, like, you're submitting genetic data to a third party right at the end of the day. So essentially, 23andMe announced on Friday, last Friday, that uh, hackers accessed, they specifically call it 0.1% of our customers or 14,000 people able to access profile information. So I guess like my question here is if it's that such a, if it's, it's such a small data chunk, was it an actual breach or was it just like customer account takeovers? Like, does anyone know the details on this? So didn't they say like all amounts were, uh, yeah, they stole ancestor data on like 6.9 million. Yeah. And then turning out it was 6.9 million affected. Yeah. So, I mean, and that's where I, you know, looked at it from last week because we were talking about the Okta that was like, well, it's 1% of our customers. Actually, it's 100% of our customers. And now you have 23 and me, like, uh, you know, they, you know, they say, oh, it's only, you know, 0.1% of customers. Oh, actually, it's yeah. 6.9 million affected. So, so it was the, the additional group was the 5.5 additional million people who opted into their DNA relatives feature, which allows customers to automatically share some of their data with others. So it, basically data included name, birth year, relationship labels, which I assume is like daughter, brother, etc. Mm -hmm. percentage of DNA shared with relatives, ancestry reports, and self-reported location. I mean... I guess it's not that bad. It's I guess my worst fear is actually that genetic material or genetic like indicators are disclosed, right? That's like talk about uh something you can't change. That's like the ultimate biometric yeah. disaster please, if please you can rotate just like your genome every 90 days. <laughs> well, oh, there's there's more to it, Corey, too. Like, yeah. It's it, uh, 1.4 of those people 1.4 million of those people had their family tree profiles accessed, which also goes on to give more information of display names who they're related to birth years of those people and a little yeah, bit more I mean, information but as an osint fan i can already look all that stuff up on ancestry you can, or but this, this gives access to the lazier people even easier like and let me add something here let's not forget about victims of domestic abuse you're in a mm. situation where you're you're trying to hide your identity and not everybody is an oath synth whiz if all of a sudden let's say i have a predisposition for some sort of genetic bad disease and i'm a victim of domestic violence and i'm trying to hide from an aggressor and all of a sudden now all of a sudden the whole olsynth map is now displayed very easily here's this relative that relative that third cousin um i have no anonymity or privacy anymore don't opt into the no. share my profile with others feature when you do 23andme i guess is yeah don't get, st don't get stuck <laughs> Yeah, I, I mean, it's a breach for sure. I don't want to downplay it. Um, so it's definitely breaches are like this where, yes, you could find this information via OSINT, but this does significantly make it easier to search through. And potentially there could be some people which have put in a lot of effort into taking their public information down and then this opens it back up. 
So like in those examples of domestic abuse or other information that people are trying to keep private. Yeah. So uh, by the way, though, just to sort of wrap this up, um, this breach is a great example. And I tell my customers this all the time. This is not actually 23andMe's fault. Well, it's not actually their, they didn't get breached. Their customer accounts got breached. So this is basically credential stuffing and public password reuse. So like, these are things that we have talked about like uh, many times, uh, you know, don't use, your, don't use passwords. Don't uh, share your um, details between different sites. And then on the other angle, like I have a blog on black Hills. It's about uh, information stealer malware. Like, if if you it, it is kind of within and I will say this is where our customers do it. We provide our customers with data sources and we they we tell them to go reset their accounts. So like 23andMe, what they should be doing is using a company like us or others to get the list of breached customer accounts or reused accounts, check it against their database, and then reset all the accounts that are vulnerable. Um that's pretty standard nowadays. And like Looking at the data sets, there's pretty much no vendor you can find that doesn't have their customer data exposed in some way from these uh, information sealer malware because the data sets are huge. We're talking about like, you know, billions, probably 20, 20 million uh, victims or more computers. And each of those computers could have multiple different, uh, you know, logins saved or other data saved. So it's like they weren't actually breached, but they failed to protect their customers from their own breaches, if that makes sense. Corey, can I add one other thing? I, I agree with what you're saying 100%. I, I want to add some a bit more humanity to this conversation as well as the technical piece of it. If you go and look further in that article, they're, they're talking about um, information about particular ethnic groups being harvested and sold. That concerns me. There's already enough strife and, and ill feelings in the world. We don't need more targeting of ethnic groups. The other thing, if let's say you did participate in 23andMe and, um, you know, I have a friend who found out that he's got seven half brothers. He had no idea. Um, and and he's he's my age or a little bit older, and and so there's a psychological stress that from the 23andMe breach that I don't think we necessarily have the same burden in other breaches. All breaches are stressful, but when you start ex exposing ethnic groups, um, relationships, locations of domestic abuse victims, it, there's a whole different component of psychological stress that we have to acknowledge. Sure. I mean, that's terrible. Like, of course, people are going to take data breaches and search for whatever particular information they're interested in. Right. Um, but yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, like 23andMe, definitely um, the, you know, protection comes down to acknowledging how much sensitive data they have. Right. Which I'm sure they are aware. But just, yeah, protecting that data a little bit further of all the customers that should be putting or all the you know companies that should be putting like their customer account privacy at like the very top notch of their corporate security ladder. Like, you know, if someone breaches my Spotify account, okay, maybe they can get my playlists or whatever. Like, it's not that big of a deal to me. Someone breaches my 23andMe account. That is a huge, like it has everything in there, right? Like you said, my family members, my gene like genetic uh, potential diseases, like, and all this stuff, you know, to bring in the regulatory side, like uh, ethnic information is like GDPR high private, you know, it's like considered sensitive data and GDPR. So it's like, this is big bad for 23andMe for sure. Um, they should yeah, be protected. I'm, MFA I, I'm and all for, that stuff. 
Yeah, I'm waiting for more of the just to see if more of that information comes out that the extent of what was was gathered. Uh, and I shared because in the original you know story, there were a lot of uh, posts referencing you know the dark web post of all this. And the dark web post I saw, I can't find the one that actually showed all like the CSV columns to where they had like um, different ones for like you know the the Y DNA or, or all sorts of uh, column headings that were concerning. Uh, the one that I was able to find, the, the seller, the person that uh, is distributing the uh, breach data, you know, says that there's the origin estimation, phenotype and health information, photos and identification data, raw data, which raw data sounds like that could be a lot. And uh, one, one of the things that springs to mind with raw data is uh, when this would, I believe the raw data was something that you can grab download and you can move that to other uh dna analysis uh tools. Ah, you just okay. upload that raw data so when they sit there and they say oh all of this like genomes and all of these specific details aren't there i'm like what's in that raw data because that's it sounds like there's a lot in that raw data to be able to find things that if, if 23andme won't tell you about uh your your predisposition to being lactose intolerant well an, another dna analysis site might and, and there's open ones raw, too yep. yeah there's and like open source the data yeah. move it over and move and just have it analyzed by the open source so i'm kind of waiting for like uh, another shoe to drop there uh, I, I know we keep saying waiting for the other shoe to drop which from this it went from the one percent of people to it yeah. already kind of did yeah it already <laughs> it did. did so i'm like so how many different shoes are we waiting to uh, drop this here? is the second shoe on many shoes yeah. the <laughs> article yeah. griffin infosec put up does have a picture of like that csv style you were talking about okay that's what, of, I, like, yeah, what that's came one of the in there. i was looking for uh, well yeah a lot of the comment or a lot of the i can't tell if it's the columns that are censored or if it's the actual data but oh and this, this was one that data was, th that was fantastic because i'm like okay everybody like these the reports that you need to come together and agree on what part of the image you're blurring because it doesn't really do anything if one per, if one right. uh, post blurs <laughs> out this part of it and another post blurs out the other part of it because if you start reading enough articles you're like oh i i know the whole thing that they were trying to blur out yeah so i mean i'm sure they they definitely need to be taking better steps to protect their customer accounts especially from like it's tough, though, because from a scoping perspective, it's like, do we try to credential stuff our own customers? <laughs> like, do we like try to? I mean, it's like for, from a pen testing perspective, like if, if 23andMe hired me to do a pen test, I would probably ask them during the scoping call, do you want me to go after customer information? And I almost guarantee you they would say no. Um, this is very common. Like, you know, almost all of our customers will tell us don't go after our customers information because it's like not really part of the normal security uh, sphere. Right. But at the end of the day, that is their crown jewel, right? Like yeah. trying to credential stuff and look at breach credentials or look at, uh, you know, stealer logs, searching for their customers and then forcing MFA or password resets or just like having detections for that kind of thing is probably what they should be focused on more than like the traditional security side of like, well, can you guess it your way into a corporate account or can you guess your way into a, it's just a, you know, every, every provider that has a large amount of customer data that they hold needs to be aware of this especially when it's genetic health data etc so yeah and i mean just just the adage of like companies saying red team us like an attacker would and then oh, wait, well wait not no not like that <laughs> don't sim swap us this hurts yeah that. no like, i mean like yeah just... and and you know people posted in the chat as well that they've apparently now updated their uh terms of use 
Um, so essentially, they they're basically trying to get ahead of it from a legal perspective and block a class action. Whether it will be effective or not, I guess we'll find out. We'll probably talk about it on the show, but um, oh, it definitely is not a good look. Course. It's not a good look. And to be fair, I think privacy-minded people would never even consider using these services, right? But uh, like you know, your family members could do it yeah, like that. that you know, yeah. That's what I was. I was going to answer that uh, second half of the sentence there. That it's like you might, but you might not. But your uh, your family members will. That it's like you know you're. Your mom just doxed you on Facebook. Uh, where it's just, <laughs> just yep. everyone go out, ask your family members, did you use 23andMe? If the answer is yeah. yes, ask, what was your password? It needs to be better. Whatever it was, it wasn't good yeah. enough. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, or MFA. Like, it's crazy to me that a company like this wouldn't require MFA. Like, I, I don't, I, I don't know. And if people are using the same, but like, I know I've signed up for websites where they make you change your password and you can never reuse the same passwords. Like, why is a company in a like this not using something like that? Yeah, no, every, I mean, this is very <laughs> standard. You, anyone can purchase or even for free find like a database of uh, publicly breached passwords and just right. not allow you to sign up with those passwords. Like, it's not like just, it's not rocket science to do. Um, but it, it does, what it does is it prevents, it potentially prevents customers from signing up for your uh, account. It's a, it potentially blocks you from making money. If you go to sign up for an account and it says you can't use that password, you're going to be like, eh, I'll just use whatever the competitor is uh, or, you know, whatever. So, you know, it's tough. I'm, I'm, you know, it's not a good time. We need our, our resident in the chat to post uh, a job posting for 23andMe, hiring senior security engineer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I haven't seen him today. Oh. Focused, on, <laughs> focused on GDPR privacy. and <laughs> Yeah. So I just want to add one other thing to the conversation, because this is such a juicy one. Um, so some of the analysis on what was brought up about changing the terms and conditions, one of the questions is, uh, you, we, we mentioned that they weren't using MFA. There's scuttlebutt that because they didn't use MFA, that they were actually negligent. And we all know that, that has a, that's a big word when it comes to the core systems. Yep. Well, that would be an interesting precedent to set, right? That if if you're not using MFA, <clears throat> then you're negligent. Like that, if you're that's... not using MFA, I would agree. If you're protecting health information, although I will say I mean, you're I'm right, it is. A, it's wrong. a lot. I'm saying that's a huge. If that ends up being the case, it ends up being pretty huge because yes. then, yeah. I, I, well, I but it's vulnerable really... to class action, right? So we know the class action lawsuits are expensive to set up and you know i always get my 63 cents and it's super exciting um but yeah like i i definitely think that this would be an interesting we'll keep an eye you know stay tuned say stay uh subscribed or whatever because i'm sure that we'll be talking about this one for a while and um if it does go to class action um definitely i think it will be a it'll be a one one to watch but i don't know what the like pay out to the class victims, I guess just money. It's always money. You can get you can get twenty dollars or two more DNA testing kits for your brother and sister. That's all most people want is just free stuff, you know. Yeah. And then they find out that their brother or sister really isn't their brother or sister. <laughs> there right? you go, Corey. <laughs> I'm back. Twenty three me job posting. Entry level cybersecurity professional on site. Eight plus years of experience in access. Eight twelve plus years of experience with AI leverage sim slash soar. MF experience with MFA optional. Twelve dollars. <laughs> <laughs> Seems legit. Oh man, that's so funny. Um, oh, that hurts.
Yes. Thank you for uh, being a recurring guest on our show. <laughs> so th thank you, Rizla. Yes. Thank okay, you. Okay. Do we have any positive news to I end was with looking today? for one. All I saw was human trafficking. <laughs> not positive. Sure there's, there's never positive news in cybersecurity on a moment. No, no. I got to right. keep scrolling. I'll find something. I'll find something. Warning about the critical use of Bluetooth trackers. That just sounds sad. I mean, the human are harvesting your data. One. No, that's not good. Uh, oh, okay. I got one. Facebook Messenger has rolled out end to end encryption by default. So <laughs> I guess that's a little positive thing. Yeah, we <laughs> We're scraping it here. <laughs> no, no, that's, that's actually a big deal. That's a big deal, I would say. I, I think, like, I'm, I think we, as a, an industry, when end to end encryption rolls out at scale, and it's like, like iMessage is a great example of this, right? For years and years and years, like iMessage has been by default much more secure than SMS because it's end-to-end -end encrypted. And like now this rolling out to Facebook Messenger, this is a game changer uh, because I'm sure the numbers of people that use Facebook Messenger is absolutely insane. Um, so this is now additional privacy protection for those people. For those that don't know, end-to-end -end encryption is essentially like, so there's data encryption, but that's in the modern era is typically based on like public key, private key infrastructure, which essentially means Facebook has the ability to decrypt your data. So if I send a message to you on Facebook, I can read it, you can read it, and then also Facebook can read it because it was encrypted with their key. End-to-end -end encryption basically cuts Facebook out of that equation. So now it's just, I can read it and then any recipients can also read it, but Facebook can't read it. So what it means is that if Facebook servers are compromised or if the network in the middle is compromised somehow with like some kind of certificate attacks, or, you know, if there's surveillance happening, cough, cough, three letter agencies, mm. all that stuff <laughs> is now basically off. They can't sniff it. So, um, essentially it's just encryption for the masses, right? We've all been able to do this for years with Pigeon or whatever, OTR and Signal and iMessage is encrypted. But um, having this be for you know a large group of people on Facebook that probably otherwise don't even know what encryption is, this is a positive thing. It, yeah, you're right, really, I am kind of scraping, but yeah, <laughs> it's good. The human trafficking one was actually kind of positive because it's about them all getting arrested. <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> Let, let's end. Let's end with that. Let's end with that. The picture just kind of was. Really it it does look creepy. <laughs> the, the picture is just like a, sh uh, I guess a shower curtain with like some hands behind it. I don't know. Very creepy. It, it's like zombies at Halloween, right? Like, uh, <laughs> yeah. Positive. We're supposed to end positive. Okay, positive. positive. Stay positive. positive. So, okay. Operation Storm Makers 2 involved law enforcement from 27 countries in Asia, as well as Africa, the Middle East, and South America, led to the arrest of 281. Oh my God, that's so many people on suspicion of human trafficking, passport forgery, corruption, telecoms fraud, sexual exploitation, and other offenses. Uh, 149 victims were identified and 300 new. 360 new investigations were opened. So essentially this is, I mean, there, there's a bunch of cases spread across all different uh, jurisdictions, but apparently 40 Malaysian victims were lured to, lured to Peru. Um, Ugandans were flown from to Dubai for a non-existent job. Um, accountants from India were lured to Asia to participate in online fraud. It's just so much terrible things was now discovered uncovered and will be investigated so i mean that's the numbers are insane 281 people were arrested that is so many that's got to do a significant amount of damage to like those rings those criminal rings that are running yeah, it, it, it'll break out 
break oh, apart those rings. That's definitely and, hurt somebody bad. Yeah, and it, it is, you know, stories that are often seen and even in, uh, you know, stateside where, you know, somebody gets that, uh, that offer of to be plugged into something that they need. So in this, this instance, it was, hey, you have some like lucrative job offers and they, they fall for that. And I think I spoke like a few weeks ago that, um, you know, the communications where there, there's somebody that, um, you know, they're struggling with their homework or struggling with home life. And they have that contact saying, hey, there's uh, here's some better options for you. It's like, hey, why don't, why don't you come stay with me for a while? Come do this. Um, you know, and then they, they wind up in a bad situation uh, and, and go, you know, either go missing or go, in this instance, go um, human trafficking. You know, so it's certainly that. encouraging people to just like stay, you know, connected and, uh, you know, and have that network so that hopefully people don't just, you know, fade away. Um, you know, keep checking in on, on people. Well, let's focus on two. There's 149 victims. I think that is just the tip of the iceberg, because if we get an opportunity to talk with the victims, find out a little more information, save these poor people from a life of wretchedness, that is a positive thing. I think it, you know, that we mentioned 149 victims in this case. There are thousands of victims we don't know about yet. And they yeah, said there I are mean, 360 more cases that are opening off of this alone. So right. who knows how many more that can turn into, how many yes. more people that can lead to arresting. And I saw somebody point out 281. That's probably nothing in the grand scheme of things. When it actually comes to these human trafficking rings, that 281 people could actually be a huge chunk of it. And if they're the right people, that can seriously hurt those organizations. Yeah, yeah. I, I think I agree. Like there, there's huge numbers of people that are going missing or uh, being trafficked every year. I think somewhere in like the, the tens of thousands. I, I saw one of like 30,000 uh, a year and it's probably much more than that. Um, so yeah, you know, 281 versus the tens of thousands that are impacted by this. You know, you're looking at it numerically, it's small, but it, it, you know, everyone can be um, just that, you know, initial um you know crack that brings the whole thing down that you just you know apply enough uh damage to the to the problem and it, it starts to crumble yeah so I, and I'm, I'm always enthusiastic whenever i see like you know any of these cases get uh get yeah i mean let's not case. yeah let's not downplay the value yeah. of even just those 160 people that's 100 like like kelly said that's 160 people that would have been living really crappy situations that now hopefully will be living in better situations. And then when you start spidering out from there, these are probably, yep. since they're international organizations, right? These are probably large rings of like, each person has a minor part in the crime then it adds up to a much larger crime. So like getting each person and saying, okay, tell me everything you know. Okay, tell me everything you know. And then you start to trace down these chains of like, well, who's the head honcho or who's the, what, like, where does this roll up to? Um, and I think the, like the other thing, and I know we're going over time, but the other thing I really that thought was weird in the um, article is they talk about like cyber scam centers, which this isn't a concept I was previously familiar with, but it's like you are promised a lucrative job, you fly to a country, and then you end up basically working in like a scam call center or other like, you know, telecoms fraud is one. It's like, I mean, that's like some kind of like black mirror type of like dystopian reality. It's like I flew for this awesome job. Turns out I'm actually like forced to be in this call center. They took my passport a week ago. Like, has there like a is it like a horror movie about this or documentaries? Because this is like 
sounds so terrifying to There's be like definitely movies with that same theme and unfortunately it's reality like you just said like it's um, like imagine that like you fly somewhere they're like hey we need to take your passport for your job interview then you don't have a passport so you can't leave and then you're just like forced to call people endlessly and like you know try to get them to install microsoft updates.exe um i mean that's crazy like it kind of it also brings into question like sometimes when scammers or other people would call you you'd be like let's go after them but then it turns out like they're just like puppets of another criminal organization like it's so uh it's tough but at least we have organizations like interpol like figuring out how to take these down i mean that's a huge coordinated effort and i feel like every every country should be participating in this right like um wherever it goes wherever it came from wherever it goes like get get these people out of our yeah and, uh, and society I think, you know an important thing to to call out because i've seen yeah i see this in the comments but i think i've also seen this in the documentaries and the movies is that a lot of people watch those documentaries and movies and go, hey, that's a horrible thing that's happening somewhere else in the world and not in my area. No, this this is happening where where you're at, too. Um, For I sure. Know, mm -hmm. I mean, I, I worked with you know local law enforcement here that they have to set up booths at a, uh, you know, at a farmer's market for human trafficking. And I'm like, human trafficking, you have to have them reach out to you like in my little county in the U.S., like. Yeah, it happens everywhere. So I think that's, and it, it's at the different degrees to where it's not always just, you know, sexual exploitation, but also just that, um, you know, that call center exploitation as well for for human trafficking. So it is a very big problem uh, all yeah. over the place, all over. The yeah, Wire I mean, did it, a whole it, season about it in Baltimore. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's like, yeah, for sure. It's one of those things where like, it only requires someone who can take advantage of a specific group of people in any place in the world, right? Like, it doesn't, it doesn't like, it's not like being in the US or being in another like, you know, developed or whatever you want to call it country gets you out of being susceptible to it, right? Like, because of undocumented individuals or because of people in any country, it's all it takes is a person running one of these rings. And yeah, it can happen anywhere. Um, <laughs> And let me add, um, I know we're wrapping things up. We we can do something. We talk about using our oaths and skills, uh, but you know, I know it's we see the stickers on the doors and, and bathroom stalls at airports or perhaps at malls. If you see something out of the ordinary, if you see uh, a child, a young woman, a young man who looks uncomfortable, is trying to get your attention, say something, ask a question, go find somebody to talk to because we do have the ability to to make a difference. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, obviously, you know, Alex and others are involved heavily in like the, you know, OSINT, uh, OSINT for good or, you know, Trace Lab stuff, which is really focused around, obviously, human trafficking is a huge uh, focus of that, in addition to like normal, you know, crime activity. But um, yeah, I mean, like, you're right. Like when you're in person, there have been moments in my life where I've seen things that just kind of make the hair on the back of your neck go up. And you're just like, that doesn't seem right. Like that feels abusive or it feels like it, it you'll know like it's funny how you have this like subconscious part of your brain that tells you when something's like really wrong um so anytime you experience that like it's time to say something or record pull out your phone or you know or do whatever you feel you can do to in, in impact the situation so i mean it's like we together can stop this um or can try can help so i guess that's a positive enough note to end on anyone have any closing <laughs> thoughts 
Well, Brian brought up in the chat, uh, there are hand signals and the hand signals uh, is American Sign Language, H-E-L-P. Um, so uh, yeah, it'll take you 10 seconds to learn the hand signals. And Brian, if you have a link to the to the website or a place, that would be super helpful for the Discord community. All right. Yeah. And I mean, have a good week. Stay safe, everyone. And uh, yeah, thanks for coming.